Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. He runs an Instagram called CrunchTime95. On Instagram, Big Raptors page, a lot of video-based content. It's Roxanne. Hey, man, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Not bad, man. Just anticipating this NBA season. We've got a few days left, a few days left between preseason now. And uh, I think it's going to be a good time to break down the season expectations for Toronto some burning questions and some mailbag questions that I asked from the fans. So uh, are you ready to take a, a deep dive into the Raptors today? For sure. Let's do it. All right. Let's start with season expectations. So we're going to start with the regular season. So what are you expecting from Toronto in the regular season? And more specifically, where do you think they'll finish in this Eastern Conference race? In my opinion, there's, you know, five, six teams in the East that are potential contenders so in the regular season where do you kind of see them them sort of falling in there um well for sure i don't see it like a drop off from the past couple of seasons like the Raptors, they've always shown that you know they've been always a great regular season team they've always gotten the business done against the bad teams so i don't see that changing i would say a potential fourth or fifth seed just because you know brooklyn with the addition of katie and Kyrie. Milwaukee with Drew Holiday, Boston, you know, their core is more developing. Um, so, yeah, I'll say four or fifth. Fifth behind – sorry, yeah, so fifth with Miami being fourth. That's actually interesting. So, for me, in my mind, I think there are three locks for the top three seeds. And like you said, it's the Nets, the Bucks, and the Celtics. No particular yeah. order. Probably the Bucks, the number one seed, I think, but – but I think those three are the locks to be the top three seeds. You got the Celtics who are bringing back continuity. You've got Jason mm-hmm. Tatum who could easily develop into an MVP caliber player this season. And obviously the Nets, they have Katie Kyrie. They got two of the top four or five best players in the Eastern Conference. So in my mind, those three are locks. And I think that the Raptors and Heat are that second level that are going to be in contention for that four or five seed, like yeah. you said. And then I think the Sixers – even though I picked Doc Rivers to be coach of the year, I'm going to kind of hedge a little bit and pick them to be the six seed just because that team's always, you know, a dumpster fire. They seem like yeah, they, they, they are. <laughs> they, they seem are. like they, they've got the, um, the right pieces around this year. So, and also the system, right? Daryl Morey's willing to make moves. They added Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. They added Danny Green. They've got mm-hmm. some spacing around those guys this year. So, yeah. to me, I think they're still the six seed. And then, you know, you got the Pacers probably sitting at the seventh. And then the rest, honestly, I don't really care. Who knows? Maybe yeah. it's going to be Atlanta, maybe um, the Hornets. I don't really know. Like Washington. You know, Washington's interesting BL team. Westbrook. They're an interesting team. I just, I've lost, I've sold all my Westbrook stock. I believed in him, but maybe they'll be a good regular season team. But yeah, for sure. I think the loss of. Serge Ibaka is going to be a big thing for Toronto. Oh they're God. going to miss. They're going to miss that skill set that he brings. He's yeah. so unique. That rim protection, which they don't really have now. Maybe Boucher can step into that role, but I just think they're going to miss his offensive skill set and more specifically the chemistry that he brings. I think he's going just to be that a big, leadership, right? Exactly. I think he's going to be a big glue guy for the um, Clippers this year. He's the one who's going to be bringing like Kawhi and PG and like making them go out, and you know. Because they didn't have that last year. All of them like, felt like PG and Kawhi got that like special treatment. Yeah, like, he's going to hold them accountable. Them. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Exactly. So I think that's an interesting thing for Toronto. I think we're sitting in the right spot. You know, four or five seed. 
Um, but the big question for me, I don't really care about the regular season. For me, it's all mm-hmm. about what are they going to do in the postseason? So where do you think they're going to land there in the postseason? I mean, we saw the problems they had against the Celtics. You know, the regular season, they were great. But in the playoffs, you saw how much they missed Kawhi. And like just like having that superstar or like shot creator in the clutch situations. Um, the Raptors still haven't solved any of those problems. So I really like it's pretty pessimistic to say, but I'm just being realistic. I don't see them, you know, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals like I would hope they would. The best case scenario I could see would be like a second round, you know, seven game competitive series because I know they, they will play their hearts out. Yeah, the, the big question for me is who's going to be your half court shot creator? Like yeah, you said in the sure. clutch, that's kind of what uh, we saw with right Kawhi Leonard. One of the things I was looking at is you look back to game seven against Boston or sorry, against Philly in 2019. And Kawhi took like 41 shots in that game. Yeah. He just, he was just pulling trigger. And I was watching, I was literally watching the full game yesterday just cause you know, one of my favorite games in Raptors history, but you could just see the offense was slow, you know, Kyle Lowry was doing defensive stuff, but he, he just couldn't get his shot up. Well, he could not quite like get yeah. to the rim. Like he, he wanted to, obviously they're a bigger team, but I think they're going to miss that that half-court shot creator again. And I don't think that bringing back the same core is going to solve that issue, right? For they're sure. expecting this development from Siakam into a superstar, but I don't see it yet, to be honest. Like, I, I think he's yeah. got the three. I think he's got the three-pointer, but I just think his mid-range game and just the ability to slice the defense and make plays is just not quite there yet. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, Siakam's only in his fifth year, and you're trying to – like, we do have those expectations as Raptors fans, but it's hard for him to, you know, live up to Kawhi. Like, Kawhi is, like, arguably, like, a top-five player in the league. And those don't, like, come along, like... Yeah, I, th- I think he's a lock as a probably a top-five player. And I think yeah. he was arguably the best player in the world last year after what he did in 2019. Obviously, yeah, you know what happened sure. in the playoffs there. But yeah, I'm going to throw out five teams for you and let me know if you think the Raptors can beat any of these teams in a seven-game series. The Bucks. Celtics, Nets, Heat, Sixers. I think the only team there that they could beat is probably the Sixers. Yeah. And even then, in a seven-game series, trying to guard Embiid is going to be tough. Okay. Like, yeah, losing Gasol, too, that's going to be... We're not going to have any body to throw against Embiid. He's going to like have his way, for sure. I don't know if Toronto could beat any of those five teams. Maybe the I don't, Heat, uh, yeah. maybe. I but, agree with you. And that, that just, to me, is why I'm expecting a first-round exit for Toronto. But, mm-hmm. like you said, the ceiling is the right matchup. Maybe they can pull all the way up into like a, yeah. a two seed potentially, which is kind of like I don't think so, but I think in a best case scenario they could be the two seed, and you know maybe they could match up against like the Pacers, and in that case you can make it to the second round. But yeah, I don't see them going head to head against any of these teams and actually beating them in a seven game series. The only way I see it is this is a big if um, if Siakam and OG take that huge leap. Like, Siakam, you know, he plays, like, a superstar. I wouldn't say superstar, but, you know, 24, 25 points. And OG, you know, he gets to that, you know, 15, 16-point range. That's a possibility, but that's a big if. You got to see if these guys develop, right? So, I agree with you. Those five teams that you name, I really don't see them beating them in a playoff series. Yeah, I think you can keep bringing up mediocre, <clears throat> excuse me, mediocre level, like, increases in players, right? You can see jumps in like a guy like OG or a guy like Norman Powell. But I think those jumps aren't going to be important if you can't find that go-to score. And yeah, I think the guy sure. who you need to develop is either Fred Van Vliet 
or Siakam to develop into a go-to score in the clutch because we relied on Freddie in the clutch in Game 7. A lot of the time it was a lot of Lowry too. And we know yeah. that if you're your lead dominant player in the clutch is a guard, it can be very challenging. Huh. It can be very challenging because, yeah. you know, the, the height advantage and, you know, you can switch as much as you want, but there's still a higher probability that uh, you switch onto a big and you'll get blocked, right? We saw that happen mm-hmm. with Van Vliet. He got – Grant Williams got the tip on his shot in game seven. So, yeah, it's just the kind of thing that it's hard to be a shot creator when you're a small guy running into the paint and there's a bunch of mm-hmm. towers around you, right? Like, yeah, I just think you need, sure. like, Siakam to be that guy. But that kind of leads me into the first burning question that we got. So, who do you think will be Toronto's go-to scorer in the clutch then? Yeah, you just, you know, you answered my question. But I was going to say Pascal, too. I really hope he takes that role. Um, like you mentioned, like, you know, Freddie and Lowry, they are great in the clutch. But you saw against Boston when they put those, you know, longer defenders like Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart. It's hard for them to get their shot, right? So I really hope Pascal develops into that clutch score. Uh, we saw, like, a glimpse of it before, like, the suspension of the season because of COVID. Like, he had a couple of good games, you know, against the Sixers, the Warriors on the road. He had a lot of, like, clutch moments on the Jazz, too. I'm just hoping he can build off that and he uses, like, his struggles in the bubble to, you know, motivate himself and get him to that, you know, clutch score level. I remember the game against the Kings, too, where he was just hitting, like, clutch layups and big threes going back to yeah, yeah. against them, too. So On the road, too. Mm-hmm. He's, got, he's got that potential. He's got that ability. I I don't really know like what happened to him in the bubble. I think there was a big, uh, obviously with like the six month hiatus and yeah, he didn't. You know, he said he didn't play basketball. He said like, he didn't touch a basketball for like yeah, six yeah. months. So like I, I'm giving him the the benefit of the doubt here, but uh, mm-hmm. and obviously it's just preseason. We saw three games, but what I've seen from him is his three pointer looks smooth. He looks good, but when he's in the paint trying to post guys up and do other stuff like that, I just feel like maybe Toronto's not utilizing him in the best way that he could be used. I think more off-ball sort of actions will be good this year. And luckily, we have Nick Nurse. So I think he'll try and get the best out of him in those situations where you can kind of put him off-ball and have him running around with that athleticism and the speed and just trying to get him out in transition and running. That's mm-hmm. when he's most effective. But that doesn't really answer the go-to score in the clutch sort of question for me. And I don't think he necessarily has to be that guy. I think I'm actually going with Fred Van Vliet to be that guy because okay. – I trust him handling the ball a little more than, than Siakam. His handle doesn't quite yeah. seem there right now. So I think this season, I'd rather have Van Vliet, the ball in his hands, chucking up shots. He's looking good in preseason. He's looking yeah. real good. His shot's smooth. Uh, he's looked like he's in good shape. He's also really tanned, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. crazy. He's super tanned. The Turks and Caicos tan. Yeah, he's got the, the Tampa Bay lifestyle. is going to benefit yeah. him, I think. So um, I think Fred Van Vliet's going to have a smooth season where – you know, he's going to be in contention for an all-star. He probably won't make one when Westbrook and Kyrie are there. So um, I just think we'll see a good statistical jump from him. And I'm hoping he can sort of become that go-to scorer kind of guy for Toronto. Yeah, like we saw him hit big shots against the Warriors in game six. So I do see that too. But I'm really hoping for Pascal. I really want, hope he, you know, stops his back from the playoffs. Yeah, and I think there's no reason you can't have this sort of double-edged sword there either, right? Mm-hmm, you could have mm-hmm. them sort of take turns with with Lowry there as well because Lowry will take some clutch shots. But I think it's time for the young guys to take control because Lowry's sure. on the last year of his, season, of his uh, contract and we don't really know what the future holds for him. He's 34 
going on 35. We don't really know how much longer he's going to be an all-star caliber player. That might be – last season might have been the last year he was an all-star, for all we know. Yeah. Sure. All right, let's move on to the next burning question, which is who do you expect to take a leap from last season for Toronto? Um, I'm really hoping OG takes that next leap. He's been a great 3 and D player with us. I'm really hoping to see him expand his offensive game more, you know, take the ball to the basket more, make uh, improve his uh, dribbling, take more pull-up shots and just take more shots in general. I think Nurse, like you said earlier, I think he'll put him in better positions to score. We don't have a really great bench big. So we're going to see Nurse put him at that four spot with the bench. So I, I feel like Nurse is going to put him in those spots to win. I mean, be successful. So I'm really hoping it's OG. Last year we saw him shooting. He had like 10 points per game, five rebounds on 50% yeah. shooting, 39% mm-hmm. from three. And I don't see why there's a reason he can't take a big statistical leap to, you know, something like 15 points per game, 16 yeah, points per game. Too. And, you know, maybe get some more assists too, handle the ball a little more. Um, just be that, that kind of secondary ball handler that we need when – the injuries start flowing. We know with Toronto, there's some issues there with, with health. And OG is one of those staple guys who has shown some consistency of health. I think he played one of the higher number of games for Toronto last year when guys like Powell and Lowry were out. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him without, with or without injuries to showcase his skill set. And, you know, we're calling him mini Kawhi. He's got that defensive skill set. Yeah. Like he's already um, an all, an all defense caliber level player we he's got a lot of respect around the league for the kind of defense that he plays but the question is can he take that that leap on offense right like 10 and 5 is fine but like you said if you want Toronto to compete you want to see OG averaging like 15 16 and eventually trending towards you know a 20 point per game score which you know he may never achieve that might be too much for him but I could see him at his apex being like an 18 point per game guy who gives it Mm -hmm. on both ends and sort of like a um, I don't know, like a mini uh, Paul George, you know, like a, like a 75% of what Paul George gives, which yeah. would be like 18 points per game, something like that, and good defense. But the question for him is like that ball handling, passing ability, right, the vision, and just making good decisions because we've seen his handle improve from last year. So I agree with you. That's who I also took uh, to take a leap from last season as well. Next question is pick one player as a surprisingly bad player, a player who you think is overrated from last season? I wouldn't say this player is bad or overrated. I feel like he has a lot of expectations that he won't meet. I'm going to say the recent signing of Aaron Baines. Just because us losing Abaka and Gasol, it's really going to affect our team on the offensive and defensive end. We're going to ask Aaron Baines to do a lot. And even if we don't have – we don't have a secondary big, so he's going to play a lot of minutes. And I think he's around 33, 34. So he is going to get tired and he's going to get gassed eventually. So I feel like because of his success with the Phoenix Suns last year, I feel like he's not going to be putting those same numbers up in Toronto. And we're going to see how much we, you know, miss Gasol and Mbaka. I 100% agree with you. I think that um, he he probably won't live up to the hype and expectations – of filling the the role of Abaka specifically is kind of what he seems like he's been put in place to do as the starting mm-hmm. center and no real 
uh, backups there to support him. You know, you've got Alex Land deep on that bench. He might get some spark minutes, but I don't see him as being like that marquee signing that Toronto fans are excited for. And like you yeah. said, um, Chris Boucher will probably be some more of like a small ball five that you roll out there against maybe like a Warriors team or the Nets or some team like that. But at the end of the day, Aaron Baines is the only guy we really have to guard a Joel Embiid um, and to build a wall around a guy like Giannis when Lopez is out there. So for me, I think, um, will he be able to meet those expectations while also being a knockdown three-point shooter, which is kind of what Raptor fans are are expecting? I don't really know. That's kind of the question for me. I I do like him, though. I really like him a lot, and I think he'll be a great piece. He's a great locker room guy, right? He's a great locker room guy. He's a veteran. He's got experience. You know, he's... He's been deep in the playoffs. He was with the Spurs back in the earlier 2010s. So he's got some experience yeah. deep in the playoffs too, which will be very handy when when it comes down. So you kind of get that locker room presence uh, substitution for Ibaka. But I think his encore production is going to be somewhere between what Gasol gave us last year and what Ibaka gave us last year. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the fan questions because we've got a decent number of mailbag questions in here. Uh, the first one is obviously with Giannis signing that Supermax extension, which a lot of Raptor fans expected him to come to Toronto, which, you know, I was never yeah, too excited for. Personally. That really... I never really thought it was like a real thing that was really? going to happen. No, I, I really, I just think the, wow, that I just think well, Giannis is one of those guys who seems really loyal. Like he's just like, you yeah. see his upbringing and stuff. I, I think that, he wants to support his oh, family. Oh, that's why you meant. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I think okay. he wants to support his family. I don't think there's not a fit there. There's a fit with Toronto. We would love to have Giannis, right? Yeah. Like, but at the end of the day, I think that um, he's supporting his family first and signing that $260 million contract was the right choice. Yeah. But what do you think Toronto should do in the 2021 free agency? Yeah, I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't sad when Giannis re-signed that because I had like the highest expectations for him to coming to Toronto. It's just because, you know, 25 years, well, 26 years of us being a franchise and, like, obviously we haven't had, like, a big free agent come to us, but the one big free agent who had ties to our general manager and president, and because he's an international star too, that's why I got pretty upset with him not coming. Right. But because of him not coming, um, I am confident that I and Bobby, they do have a plan B because they're not they are like capable and like competent in that um i what i think they should do is get a big because you know baines and len are on team options so i don't expect them the team to pick them up if gobert is available for a relatively team-friendly deal i'd go for it just because gobert would you know help us tremendously on the defensive end and he is pretty like good on the offensive end as well uh oladipo and derozan are also two names i can see um just for that guard role um, but I think the big another question that people are not forgetting is um, Kyle Lowry is also a free agent. Um, we don't know what his future holds. If he wants to come back and you know retire here, or if he wants to like do what Ibaka and Gasol do, um, go to a contending team. So that's another question that I see that I want to like figure out. Do you think DeRozan would want to come back to Toronto after what happened? I mean, Masai uh, said like. Him and DeRozan have had moments since like being traded, and like I feel like DeMar would open up to it, especially if the market isn't great for him. 
I would want him back personally. What would you? I, I would want him back too, but I just don't know if he would want to do that. What if hypothetically they re-signed him and then Toronto ended up trading him a year down the road again for other assets? That would just be probably catastrophic to his confidence. I don't know, but I think he's got too much self-confidence, yeah, like yeah. Um, whatever you want to call it, to come back to Toronto after getting traded. I think when Masai um, right signed that deal to bring Kawhi over, which obviously is the greatest trade in Raptors history, that sort of was a way of saying, like, that's the end of League DeRozan. History League history, it's up mm-hmm. there too, but yeah. that's it for DeRozan, right? Like, that's sort of the... Um, end of the DeRozan era in Toronto and it, it sucks mm-hmm. to say because you know you want to wish you could see him back maybe at like his twilight years in his career he'll come back as sort of like a token player but yeah. I don't think we'll see a productive DeRozan in Toronto and there's this one interesting thought that I actually was talking to someone about and there's this theory going around that Toronto's going to be um, obviously losing Al Lowry, and there's a possibility that him and DeRozan team up somewhere else at a, in a different team on cheaper contracts and play out their to career that. together, which I would love to see that too. That would be awesome. But yeah, um, speaking of 2021 offseason, right, because this is a big question for Toronto fans, can't forget, first things first, re-sign Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster. We need that yes, front office yes, yes. signed and together because that's the most important thing. If we lose that front office, that would just be devastating to me. But... That'd be worse than losing Kawhi. That would be worse than losing Kawhi because I mean any player and yeah. Because you see what sure. they do in the draft, like they drafted OG Ananobi. Yeah. And then the next first round pick, besides like the Dewan pick last year, they they picked um, Malachi Flynn this year, who seems to be a very solid, yeah. poised rookie. They know what they're doing up there. Yeah. They really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, after they get that done, the big the big fish I want Toronto to go for, who you already said was Rudy Gobert. I think that when you look at Toronto, there's a huge gap in the center position. And if you add Rudy to that, that would be amazing on both ends of the floor. He's a phenomenal defender, top five defender in the league, probably the best defensive center with Anthony Davis. And I just think he'd be an amazing fit with Toronto. I don't know um, how much he would cost. That's the great question. Is would be a max level? Yeah, apparently he's asking for somewhere between the max and super max yeah. from, from, his, from Utah, but... I don't know, like, if that's worth it for Toronto. Like, do you give them the max, a max contract? Yeah. That's pretty heavy. I mean, if it's, if it's, heavy. If it's a team-friendly, I want to say team-friendly, but if it's, like, a reasonable amount, I would do it. But I wouldn't go for, like, a high, like, max contract. Yeah, but, like, a max contract's over four years, right? And Rudy Gobert right now is, guess how old he is? I think he's 27, 28. Yeah, 28. 28 yeah, yeah, so he's 28. And, and by the time that contract ends, he'll be, like, 32, 33. Mm-hmm. I don't know, that'd just be a... And, you know, centers past 30, you know, is never a great situation. So that's the one guy I thought would be interesting. For all we know, in a few days, he could sign that Supermax extension. But a couple other solid solid backup guys I think that that Toronto could go for is Bismack Biombo. You know, I think he would be nice to bring back to Toronto. Mm -hmm. Another center who can fill some minutes, athletic, great personality too. I think he'd be a nice little fit there. Um, Victor Oladipo is a good one. I think Drew Holiday is a free agent as well. So those would be a few good guys who could kind of fill in the gap and they give you some two-way presence with with Toronto and those uh, some of the positions where I think they're lacking because when you look at Toronto's future, I think their future is surrounded around Siakam, Van Vliet, Terrence Davis, and OG. Those yeah. are like their four uh, pieces as well as like, you know, the younger guys like Malachi Flynn, Matt Thomas, some other guys down there, Powell. Powell's like 27, though, but 
I think that when you look at the collection of talent they have, they're really lack in the forward center position. They've got a lot of guards. So I don't see them picking up, you know, a Drew Holiday necessarily. I think that might not be the best fit, even though, you know, you could sub them in in like the three. Mm-hmm. But I think Toronto's going to be looking for bigger, talented players in the upcoming free agency. Mm-hmm. I think that also re-sign OG into the luxury after you pick up a couple big fish, give yeah. him a four-year, um, like a handsome contract for him to sort of live up to. You'll probably get that Freddie um, contract. That four year. You, you think know. he'll get that much? I wouldn't maybe. say that much, but he would get a four year, maybe, you know. I was thinking 60 the to 50 70. To 60. 60 to yeah. 70. Uh, yeah, that's a, I have to, I think, yeah, five, four year, 12, 13 million seems like a good amount somewhere in that range. Yeah, like you said, um, they want to keep that core of Pascal, OG, and Freddie and develop that. So they have yeah. to pay it up. We sort of already answered this question, but agree or disagree? We do not have a star that will bring us to the finals like Kawhi Leonard. Siakam will not live up to the hype. Yeah, I agree. Like we saw, like I mentioned before, we saw in the Celtics series, and we're going to see this playoffs too, how much we miss Kawhi. It isn't a bad thing that Siakam hasn't lived up to those, you know, unrealistic expectations of him becoming that superstar because he is relatively still young. He's only in his fifth season. People forget that he's only, right. he only played only started playing basketball when he's like sixteen, and he's like only like yeah. It's been it's 24. been ten it's been ten years yeah since he started playing basketball, and he's now like twenty like he's twenty seven now I think so. Um, I, I think that he's still got a lot of development to do. I, I don't think that it's a bad thing either because mm-hmm. maybe he's not going to be that guy, and there's nothing wrong with being a twenty four point per game scorer. Yeah that you can't necessarily go to in the clutch. Like, that's not a terrible thing, right? Like, at the end of the day, what were you expecting from Siakam back in 2015? You thought he would just be a role guy. Yeah. You know, he's blossomed into this star. I think Raptor fans should be happy for what he is and not what he isn't at the end of the day. And maybe right now he's not that guy, but they'll find that guy eventually, whether it's him, Van Vliet, or maybe, you know, you keep developing other guys and someone else down the pipeline will, will become that guy. But I think I'm done talking shit about Siakam. <laughs> I just don't I just can't I just yeah. can't keep talking shit about him. He's one of my favorite players, but let's uh move on to another very topical question right now in the media today. Would trading for James Harden hurt or help Toronto? It really depends on what package we give the Rockets, to be honest with you. If we give too much and deplete, deplete our roster and we don't have like anything besides James, you know, Freddie or Kyle, then it is going to hurt us because once we get in the playoffs, we're not going to have any depth. Our guys are going to get tired and it's going to be hard for us to, you know, advance. But if we do give like a proper package that doesn't give too much, then abs- like absolutely you have to do this deal. Like James Harden is a top five player in the league and those don't come around like pretty often. And I feel like he would buy into our culture and Nurse would, you know, do a lot with them in our, in our offense. So if it's a good deal for our team where, you know, we don't have to give up both OG and Pascal or, you know, we don't have to give up a lot, then yeah, for sure. Like one, 100% I would do that trade. I 100% agree with you. You said it perfectly. I said that it would hurt if you're mortgaging your future to get two years of a superstar. And when you look at the timeline of Toronto's roster, I don't know if it really fits. You know, you've got Siakam at age 27. A lot of your core is under that age, like under 25. So 
adding a 31 year old or 32 year old um, James Harden on top of that, you know, might not really fit with what Toronto's trying to do. And I think that if Toronto were to make a move like that, they would have done it back when they were trying to resign Kawhi and making a trade for Paul George mm-hmm. using like some Siak and some other assets like they were talking about back in uh, the 2019 off season there. But um, I'm going to throw a couple mock trades at you and you either say yes or no to them, depending on uh, how you feel, but I'm going to give you two. All right. Okay. So first trade is Lowry, Norman Powell, Malachi Flynn, two first round picks. Yes or no. For Harden? Just yes, for Harden, Harden straight up. Yeah. As much as it, you know, would hurt to give up Lowry, not giving up Siakam and OG, I would do that. I would do that deal. Because if you look at that yeah. lineup, it'll be Freddie, Harden, OG, yeah. Baines, and Siakam. Like that's a that's a championship lineup. contender. That's right? a championship I think that's contender. a championship contender. And you're not merging your future too much. A couple first round picks, which aren't going to be that good anyway. Yeah, Alki Flynn's the one X factor piece. I. I really don't think uh, Houston would take that trade, though, they in my opinion. Yeah, they wouldn't. You might be able to flip Kyle Lowry back for other stuff, but you'd have to attach a couple other assets, like an OG in there. But um, my second one I put was Siakam, OG, Powell, and two first-rounders. I wouldn't do that deal. Just because when you give up OG and Pascal, you're putting Harden at the three with Freddie and Kyle, and we don't have any forwards. And we have to put you know Boucher and like you know Baines just for example, just for like to make that starting lineup. That's not gonna. Yeah, I think. That's not gonna go. I think in that trade else. you try. Yeah, I think in that trade you try and get back tr- like Trevor Reza or some kind of guy who can fill PJ Tucker, minutes at the four yeah. or PJ Tucker, maybe even pick up some guys on the waiver wire. But yeah, to me, I think um, inevitably a, a James Harden trade would probably hurt Toronto unless the price is right. That's yeah, the perfect way to put it there. Moving like, on to the next question. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, you got something else? You no, want I was gonna to say, say like you know, Masai, like when he got that Kawhi deal done, like it hurt to trade Demar, but getting Kawhi and Danny for like Portal and Demar was like a steal. So like oh, that's it what was I, a huge steal. Yeah, that was a, probably one of the biggest robberies in the NBA yeah. history. Like you got back so much more, and arguably Danny Green at the time was better than Portal as well. So yeah. You get two of the best three players, the the first best and third best player in the trade. So, yeah, for sure. To me, it was more of a function of necessity yeah. for the Spurs. But, but anyway, uh, next one is: Do you think or want the Raptors to sign Lowry in the off season? I think that decision, like really, it's on Kyle himself to decide that. If he really wants to retire here and you know take a step back, you know let Freddie run the offense and retire here, then he would do that. Or if he wants to go to a contending team, like I said earlier, like Gasol and Ibaka, and want to win one more ring just to, you know, help his career, I could also see that option too. I wouldn't be mad at either, to be honest with you. You know, my opinion, Larry is the greatest rapper of all time. And I don't think, I he, needs, I don't think he needs anything to, you know, add to that. Or, you know, he doesn't need to do anything to cement his legacy in Toronto because he already did with the championship and his past seven years here, so... I wouldn't be mad at either option. But if I if it was up to me, I would sign Larry and you know have him retire as a Raptor. I 100% agree. I would want them to get him on perhaps a, a little bit of a cheaper deal. Let mm-hmm. him run his twilight years out in Toronto as sort of more of a token player. But like you said, it's all his decision. If he wants to leave, he absolutely should leave and go do bigger and better things. Try and win another title if he wants to. You know, go ring chase. You've already done... You've already put your blood, sweat, and tears into this franchise. 
mm-hmm. you decide to leave, I'm not going to be mad at Cal for that. I wouldn't want him to leave. Um, but I think inevitably it's going to be his decision. And right now I'm like, I have no clue what he's going to do. I really, I don't know. Like he could easily leave. He could just walk. He could retire. He could stay with Toronto. There's like at age 34, anything could really happen with, with Flowery there. The only thing, okay. To be honest, the only thing I would be mad if is if he went to the Clippers. And he was with Kawhi and Serge. I'd be pretty. That, that's pretty uh, fair. <laughs> if you that, I'd be pretty. I'd be pretty salty. I'd be pretty salty if that happened. Like it'd basically, you know, like, be like the Raptors winning a title at that point. <laughs> yeah, just like, but just because you know the Clippers, you know, first all the stuff they did with Kawhi and like you know getting Serge and then you know trying to get for Kyle, just like, come on. What if the Clippers signed Masai Ujiri too? If you sign, okay. Oh my! I would. I don't know what I would do myself. I probably stop watching basketball. I think that would be it. I'd be yeah. Done. But I feel like uh, Kawhi and uh, well, not Kawhi, but you know, Uncle Dennis and Masai have like bad blood with the whole how his free agency turned out. So I don't think he'd go to the Clippers. I see, like maybe like a big team, like you know, I won't say a big team, but maybe like a not a Knicks. You know, honestly, uh, to be honest, I really don't see Masai leaving either. Like, I don't know what team would you know he would need to go to. Because I think like Toronto is just a... going to offer him everything he wants. He wanted yeah. to rebuild. He's got the opportunity now, and Toronto's going to give him all the money in the world. Like, please just offer him the world to stay. Yeah, with him. exactly. Stay with Toronto. The only reason he would leave to would be for a bigger market to kind of um, for his sort of external stuff that he does. He does a lot of charity work and yeah, you know, yeah. the Giants of Africa stuff. So, I think that would be a reason he would leave, but. I think Toronto can offer him all that stuff and more. So that would suck. But on a yeah, separate sure. note, do you think where do you think Kawhi Leonard lands this offseason? Because he hasn't signed an extension with the Clippers yet. And I think it might be kind of dependent on let's say they flame out in the playoffs this year. Do you think he ends up leaving and goes somewhere else? I don't see him leaving LA. Like maybe like like the big surprise would be if he went to the Lakers. <laughs> but I really don't see him. I really don't see him leaving LA just because he never wanted to be in Toronto or San Antonio, and he finally gets to be home, like with his family. I don't see him leaving. To be honest, it would be great to have Kawhi back, but I really don't see him coming back. If he left, the, you know, if he left the championship team, why would he come back now? With like a exactly, yeah. There? Like I think Toronto's out the door already with his decision to leave last year because he would have stayed with Toronto last year because he was already on the roster, right? So. I think Toronto's yeah. out of the question. My question was more geared towards like, could you see him like pivoting and you know, going to some other crazy team we wouldn't expect, like the Nets or some other crazy, like some team that has a lot of cast space, Miami or something. Who knows, right? Like, I don't know if there's many teams with cast space, but yeah, I, I agree. I think he stays in LA long term with with Paul George signing that contract. Is sort of a good sign that Kawhi's on that route as well to sign a max there with them and and sort of compete for years to come. Uh, I think they get some unnecessary hate, though, with the team. I think they're going to be a really good team this year as well. I, I see them as a, another ki- title contender. Yeah. It's um, just Beverly, man. Patrick yeah. Beverly is the one that like gets everyone like hating the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely like the, the vocal guy. I think they're missing that vocal leader, though. Like, they're missing that playmaker, a, a, too. A Kyle Lowry, exactly. Yeah, they, need, for sure. like, they literally need Kyle Lowry on that team or some kind of ball handler playmaker. Yeah. Kawhi loves playing off ball going off screens, mm-hmm. getting offensive rebounds. You can't get offensive rebounds if you're shooting threes or shooting yeah. like mid-range jumpers. You know, he's got a – we saw how effective he was in Toronto off ball, you know. So, I think they got to utilize him better. Um, 
But at the end of the day, yeah, I think he stays in LA too. But let's move on to the next question, which is, do you think OG will get a four-year extension now that Giannis is staying? Yeah, I think he does just because the reason the Raptors didn't sign him to that four-year earlier is because of They're holding you know, cap space. Yeah, holding caps is for Giannis, and they didn't want to, you know, like jeopardize that. So I think he does get a four-year deal. Um, like I like we were talking about before, it's probably going to be like Freddie's contract, not eighty-five, but maybe like you said, fifty to sixty in that range. I could see them giving him that deal, but that's if he accepts it. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he'll take a pretty sizable contract with Toronto and play out a few years with us. Um, just see kind of what Toronto has there, right? What the asset is, how good OG can be. And he's kind of, uh, over the years, he's like a sort of like a home um, player, right? He's mm-hmm. Toronto drafted him. They've developed him. Uh, he's become like a really good player off a torn ACL injury in, in college. So to me, he's kind of a, a Toronto guy. And I think they're going to reward him, especially this year. Uh, signing him now would probably be better because we'll see productive increases from him next year and his price will just generally go up. But I guess it just depends on what Toronto wants to do in the offseason. If they're going to try and land a big fish, do you wait and then sign him into the luxury, which I'm yeah. assuming they're going to do. But there isn't much big fish out there now. Do you no, think so? there's really not. No, there isn't. It's, you yeah. know, there's like Andre Drummond, Rudy Gobert. It's sort of just like medium level fish, DeMar DeRozan, like guys who... Toronto has some history with who they might not even get anyway. You know, like Kawhi Leonard's yeah. not coming to Toronto. Demar's probably not coming to Toronto. And those are probably the two biggest guys. So you're now you're looking at like Rudy Gobert, Oladipo, Drummond. It's not it's not looking good. It's really yeah, not looking no. that good. So it's all about you know developing a core, right? I think Toronto's develops their core. Maybe try and scoop up a young a young asset as well. You know, a guy who. Um, might be undervalued in the league who they can develop as well. I don't think they got they should target a guy who's already um, established himself. They got to look for some diamonds in the rough and sort of just sign smaller level contracts with those kinds of guys. Mm-hmm. How much worse does our team defense get by losing Gasol and Ibaka? I wouldn't say our defense. I'm okay. I'm not going to say just our defense gets worse, but also our offense. Just to start on the defensive end, it is going to suffer because not having. Serge and Mark, just because Mark's defense and leadership on that end, it's going to be like you don't ever see how much they miss it. Um, we want to miss Gasol's defense on the big men, like you know, Embiid and his defense with the bigger teams. Once we face the bigger teams, like you know, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Sixers, it's going to be tough because we're going to ask Baines to do a lot and we're not going to have a relatively like good backup big to throw in there. So it's going to be a lot of small ball and you know, we're going to be, we're going to be pounded on the boards for sure. And, you know, we're going to miss Serge's ability to block shots and protect the rim. And what I meant by the offensive end as well is Mark's playmaking, you know, Serge's ability to stretch the floor. It's going to be, it's going to, we're going to miss them a lot. Absolutely. I agree. For me, it was, it wasn't as much about the production on the court. For me, I think the team chemistry is going to be a a big issue because Abaka was the glue guy. He had, He's so familiar with all these guys. He's been there for the last few years since being traded in 2017 or 2018, whenever that was with PJ Tucker. And yeah. so, and so 2017. would have been, yeah, 20, early 2017. So I just think the Raptors are going to have some rebounding issues because you lose Abaka and Gasol, who um, are big time rebounding guys on the defensive end. 
And mm-hmm. Baines isn't going to be able to, like you said, handle like a an Embiid that well or a Jokic that well. And yeah, the fluidity on offense is a big thing for Gasol. Luckily, uh, Baines can kind of stretch the floor, so he'll give you that that look that Ibaka was giving you. But I don't think I think the Raptors are going to have rebounding issues, which we saw a lot of against Boston last year. Even with Gasol and Ibaka, the Raptors mm-hmm. are sometimes have issues rebounding. Right? We saw that a lot as well against Philly in 2019 with Kawhi at the four and Serge and Mark, right? Because those are sort of a smaller level lineup than what Dwayne Casey would run, which was Ibaka at the four and uh, JV at the five. So Toronto's had rebounding issues in the past. They would get pounded by a team like Philly with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So mm-hmm. now you look at what the Raptors have become over the last years. It's actually crazy to see how small ball they're going. And yeah. They're just going to get pummeled on the rebounds. And we'll see that a lot in effect against, like you said, the Lakers, the Nuggets, especially the Sixers, because we're going to see them a lot this year. And I just think it's going to be um, a tough year for the bigs. Toronto's got to pick someone else up or give yeah. Alex Len some rope to play, because I think he's a decent guy. Like I don't wouldn't mind seeing Alex Len out there. He can shoot the three a little bit. He showed that in Atlanta, but... Yeah, like I said, they're definitely not as good as Gasol and Ibaka. And for me, the chemistry is going to be the big issue. It's going to be like that year. And it's going to be like the 2017 year before we got Ibaka when we had like, you know, rookie Pascal and like Patterson and like Jared Sollinger. We had no like, we had no power forwards. And we like, it really like showed how much we like really missed uh, Bismack and all those guys. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. The next question, agree or disagree? I feel like, I guess this one kind of actually, now that I'm looking at it, is similar to the last question. It was, I feel like Toronto's bigs will be our downfall and we'll have to play a lot of small ball. So kind of just building on what we talked about, I'd say I agree. And I think I actually wrote down a few matchups that I think you'd struggle with in the East, which would be Bam, Anthony Davis, Giannis at the five are kind of the issues we'd have with Baines, you know, kind of like a bit of a stiff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing you agree as well, right? Yeah, like we saw in uh, game six and seven against the Celtics, we played that small ball line of, you know, Freddie, Kyle, OG, Norm, and Pascal. So I feel like that's going to be like our crunch time lineup um, just because we don't, we wouldn't want to play Aaron Baines in those um, clutch situations. So I feel like we want to play with a lot more small ball. We're seeing that in the preseason too, you know, they're putting OG at the four with the bench unit, um, Boucher as well. But it's going to be tough. I mean, like you said, like facing, you know, Bam, Embiid. Uh, Celtics just got Tristan Thompson. Um, so that's going to be tough on the offensive rebounds. Yeah, um, big-time offensive rebounder. Underrated player, too. People forget that Tristan yeah. Thompson, with something to play for, right? He hasn't had that the last few years. Mm-hmm. Will be a really good offensive rebounder for them. Um, and even against, you know, the Nets, like our small ball line compared to theirs, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard putting KD at the five and, like, asking Pascal to guard that or, like, OG. Um, yeah, I feel like we are going to play a lot of small ball. But I hope, you know, we, like, the players buy into that. You know, we play more faster. We play with more pace. We shoot a lot more. So, um, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be exciting, but also, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how much they play with that lineup. All right, last question, then I'll let you go. How worried would you be? If Masai Ujiri left Toronto. Yeah, like I was talking about it before, like we've seen like VC, Chris Bosch, Rosen, Kawhi. We've seen all these guys leave. 
But, you know, I'd be the most heartbroken if Masai left, to be honest. Because, you know, he's the one who rebuilt us and got us to where we are now. He never settled with just being making the playoffs. We saw that with the DeMar trade. He was never satisfied. He always wanted to have a championship contender. So, I mean, if we lose Masai and but we keep Bobby Webster, I wouldn't be as sad just because Bobby learned from Masai and he knows what it takes to, you know, be in that GM role. But if we lost both, then I, I really don't know what I'd do. Like, I really would be scared for the direction that the Raptors would go in. I just wrote devastated. <laughs> That's yeah. It. Like, just devastated because, like you said, he's um, what's built us today, right? Masai Ujiri is the mastermind behind everything. Bobby Webster, too, he's forgotten as the GM there. He's also a mastermind in that front office. Would be a huge loss, a definitely huge loss. But anyway, Roxanne, thanks for joining the pod, man. Thank I you appreciate so much it. for having me. Um, how can the, the fans here uh, follow you? So I'm on IG right now, CrunchTime95. I also have a Twitter account too. I just, you know, post some random stuff as well. So if you're, you know, ever looking for Raptors videos and like pictures and even like old memories of the Raptors, you can always find me there. All right. Thanks, my man. Stay safe. All right. Take care.